This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Saturday, April 11th, 2020. I'm Caleb Brown. It's a pretty typical move for this president. Suggest a policy that is highly controversial and probably unconstitutional, and then back down a few hours later. But in the case of Donald Trump suggesting that he might quarantine three northeastern states, the hottest of the COVID-19 hotspots, the question has to be asked, is that in any way constitutional? Cato's Gene Healy comments. What powers uh, do we understand the president to possess with respect to quarantining people or states or hotspots, to use the president's term? Well, it wasn't much more than a week ago now that uh, uh, President Trump, as he often does, tweeted out a a proposal that was kind of shocking. He talked about uh, an all-caps federal quarantine of... uh, New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. Um, and uh, I think it's only several hours later, uh, he backed it down to just having the CDC issue a strong travel advisory. But for a period of several hours, uh, he put on the table the idea of a federal quarantine around three states with uh, some 30 million people, uh, which was a fairly alarming idea. Um, so. You know, he, he makes a lot of, uh, you know, we, we've talked about this pattern before. He he uh, tends to tweet out sometimes some crank theories uh, and then, you know, never do much with them. Uh, and a lot of times it ends up being like the, you know, more alarming version of, uh, hey, let's let's buy Greenland. Uh, in this case, though, uh, you know, I think it is worth worrying about because we're in the middle of a fairly unprecedented crisis. And, uh, you know, in times of crisis, uh, uh, often presidents are driven towards extreme and highly visible and often regrettable actions. So um, what quarantine authority does the federal government have? Um, it, it does have some. The main law for that is uh, something called the Public Health Service Act. And uh, it does include uh, quarantine authorities for the federal government. It's mainly outward facing, uh, you know, the strongest authorities that it it provides uh, relate to people crossing international borders. But there is, uh, under the Public Health Service Act, uh, at least some authority for internal quarantine power. Uh, the act allows federal officials, CDC officials, to stop and examine people that are, quote, reasonable, reasonably believed to be infected with a communicable disease uh, if they're intending to move across state lines. But the way, it's, uh, the, way the law is phrased, it, re- it clearly envisions uh, individualized testing uh, for people. Um, you know, to see whether they have a communicable disease. Uh, it really is quite a stretch to imagine that this law could be used to impose, uh, you know, not just a statewide quarantine, but a quarantine around uh, around three states, uh, a, you know, sort of a, an internal travel ban. It's like a, a build the wall, but build the wall Uh, not at the southern border, but around the tri-state area. So it's never been used in uh, the way that the president suggested? No, no, uh, nothing nothing like it. Uh, The CDC is historic. I mean, of course, we haven't had a 
pandemic flu since uh, 1918 uh, before the law went into effect. But for the most part, uh, you know, the, the law has been used uh, for there's a do not board list that CDC maintains for air travel. You know, if people have things like tuberculosis and that sort of thing, um, very few quarantine orders, uh, and they're usually individualized, have been issued under the Public Health Service Act uh, over the last 20 or so years, only about a dozen or so up until this time. So it would be extremely an extremely radical and ambitious interpretation uh, of this statute, uh, given how it's been used in the past. Is anybody making any claims on behalf of the president that this is uh, legal or would be legal? It's hard to say because, you know, so many times uh, the president Trump will, uh, you know, just tweet out something like uh, I have the absolute right to pardon myself or uh, I'm going to revoke birthright citizenship by an executive order. And it's not clear how serious it is. Uh, You know, people tend to, uh, uh, you know, law professors go to the Lexus you know, the Lexus website and try it and research this, trying to figure out if he can do it. And a lot of times it doesn't amount to anything. Um, so it is not very clear that this was anything more than uh, he was coming under some pressure uh, from you know people like uh, the Florida governor about uh, New Yorkers coming to Florida. And, uh, you know, he, he's sort of thinking out loud uh, in the middle of a pandemic on Twitter, which is you know, not really great practice. Um, but uh, it's not clear whether, uh, you know, the, the, this is something that the Office of Legal Counsel, is, I, I kind of tend to doubt that the Justice Department's Office of Legal Counsel is writing memos about this now. But uh, I think it is something that's worth looking at because, uh, well, number one, it's interesting. And number two, uh, I think his offhand comments and his, uh, you know, sometimes alarming tweets are probably worth paying more attention to now in the middle of a crisis of this magnitude, uh, you know, for the, because of the, the possibility that, uh, that there's a greater possibility that things like this will be done. So I think it's, um, I think it's worth thinking about, uh, if only to, uh, remind ourselves of why something like this would be an absolutely terrible idea. So under what circumstances then can uh, the military be used domestically, if not for a situation like this, uh, a situation that may be much, much worse? Well, that, that, that's one obvious question that comes up is where would they get the manpower to do this? The CDC doesn't have a police force. Uh, even now, uh, even though we've had so much federalization of crime over the years, you know, m- law enforcement is mostly a, a, a local and state responsibility. And uh, unless the federal government is going to divert thousands of Customs and Border Patrol officers to encircle New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut, the way that this would have to be done is with uh, U.S. troops, uh, federalized National Guard uh, and Army and Marines. And uh, that, you know, is a pretty dystopian idea for, I think, pretty obvious reasons. So short of that, uh, what could be 
a military role to help fight the spread of COVID-19? There's plenty of uh, things that the military can do. Um, you know, there is this uh, uh, longstanding federal statute, uh, uh, 150 some years old, uh, the, 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 or almost 150 years old, the Posse Comitatus Act that makes it a criminal offense to use mil- U.S. military forces to execute the laws. Um, but the Posse Comitatus Act uh, has a lot of exceptions. Um, it, you know, there's, but it, and it only applies when uh, troops are in a policing role. Uh, it only applies when uh, they're uh, coercing, using the threat of force, um, really, in a sense, turning their guns against uh, uh, U.S. citizens. And that's an alarming prospect. But there's plenty that the military can do. Uh, short of, you know, using standing armies to enforce internal security. I mean, the, the Pentagon is the, is the largest employer in the world. It has manpower and assets that it can bring to bear uh, in this pandemic. Uh, and the Posse Comitatus Act doesn't say anything about those, you know, logistical and material support. And that's fine. I don't think anyone should be too worried about that. We're already seeing some of uh, you know, what they call defense support to civil authorities. Um, there's the, the USNS Comfort, the Navy hospital ship that they sent to the New York area. Uh, President Trump recently announced that he's sending an additional thousand military personnel to New York City to help fight coronavirus. Now, these are not people that are going to be, you know, uh, enforcing a quarantine. They're uh, mostly Air Force and Navy doctors and medics and nurses, and they're going to provide uh, healthcare at a field hospital recently set up in the Javits Center. And, I, you know, I think all, all of this is good. None of it uh, requires the military to uh, turn it, its guns against American citizens. Uh, you know, I, we've seen a lot of debate about uh, uh, how various countries have responded to the coronavirus. And I think there's really no doubt that our response has not been uh, top notch. Um, I, I think the way the free society uh, can so can respond to something like this uh, is different than the way an authoritarian country can. And uh, you know, certain tactics ought to be off the table. It's always very tempting uh, for presidents uh, to. Uh, you know, they tend to like to use a war metaphor to say that, as Trump did recently, I'm a war president. And uh, once you start thinking that way, you know, you've got a hammer and every problem looks like a nail. Um, but the military, with all its assets, all its manpower, uh, there's a good reason we have uh, a tradition that says that uh, use of the military at home uh, in a law enforcement role. Uh, should be a last resort. They shouldn't be first responders. And uh, as far as I can tell, there is no reason uh, to depart from that tradition, even in this uh, even in this crisis. Gene Healy is a vice president at the Cato Institute and author of The Cult of the Presidency. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. <laughs>